It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, it's Friday. You know what that means? It's time for the Locked On Sports Minnesota Roundtable. No, that is not Sam Ekstrom down there. That is Brandon Warren from Locked On Twins. He's going to join us today in the roundtable. Of course, as always, I got Luke Inman. I got Reggie Wilson from CARE 11, you know, the big power forward. Speaking of power forwards, and I'm Ron Johnson, by the way. It's basketball day. It's Friday. And this could be the end for the Timberwolves, but we'll talk about that. We're, we'll talk about that because it's a big basketball day. Hockey is coming, and the Wild are in the playoffs. But are they gonna? Are they cursed? Because I know there's some stuff in here about curses, and we're going to talk about this later. Minnesota is a sports town. Are we cursed? But I want everybody to remember, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. We are trying to make every moment more. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to get started today. Hey, if you want to parlay, I'm going to say go with the Timberwolves. They're at home. When they're at home for the play-ins, they're undefeated. <laughs> and we know there's some tears that might flow. There might be some girlfriends being kissed on the court. But, fellas, we got to get locked in on this show. What you got for me today, Luke? Yeah, well, Ron, we got to talk about this new S2 cognition test everyone's buzzing about. Is this just a glorified wonderlick test? Or did the NFL find something special here that maybe changes the way we look at the scouting process? We'll break it all down. Yeah, and look. Kwesi and KLC are the masters of saying a whole lot, but not saying much at all. But we'll get into what they had to say about Dalvin Cook and the quarterback situation. Twin starters are first in innings per start, second in ERA, second in OPS against, and third in strikeouts per nine innings. We're going to dive into how sustainable this hot start is for twin starting pitching. Mm, twins pitching. I don't think we've ever talked about that one in Minnesota. <laughs> and of course, like I said, people, we got to talk about this basketball. It's going to be a spicy basketball game tonight. It's my daughter's birthday party tonight. So I'm going to be watching the party, watching basketball, watching the party, watching basketball. I don't know what you guys are going to be doing, but that's my goal tonight to make sure I'm dialed in to is Rudy Gobert going to come back and play. But we'll talk about that. But remember, you can find Locked On Sports Minnesota now on Amazon Fire and Roku. Wherever you get your uh, TV device, if you have an Amazon Fire or Roku device, just go to it. Go to your apps, search, and put in Locked On Sports Minnesota. When that pops up, just download it right there to your TV. You can get all of our videos, all of our shows. You can see Brandon Warren's beautiful face as well as his newborn babe in the background, people. So you're going to want to make sure you download the Locked On Sports app on Amazon Fire and your Roku TV. Let's jump out there. Let's go with you, Luke. S2 cognitive tests. What's going on in the NFL with that? Just to sum it up, or I guess dumb it down into one sentence, this new S2 test measures a player's cognitive capacity as it relates to high-speed decision-making. And I was listening to Peter Schrager, who had one of the co-founders on his show a few days ago, and the guy described it in a nutshell here, guys, as a 45-minute test where basically you sit in front of a specialized gaming system that's specifically built for millisecond precision and object tracking. And why that's important is obviously in football, you have to keep track of multiple objects on the field all at the same time. So this can be used for any player, but I think specifically it helps positions like quarterback and safety. That's where you really maximize this test. Guys who have to quickly scan the field and process a lot of moving information in just a few seconds, that could be super beneficial. And in this interview, the Schrager interview also, this guy mentioned 
specifically how basic lab testing from the past before they would have a player track, maybe three or four objects for 10 to 15 seconds at a time. But that's not how real football works, right? A standard play is three to five seconds on average. And that's where they got a little bit more sophisticated because they duplicated how many objects are on the screen at any given time that a quarterback or again, maybe a safety is going to have to dissect and then measured how quickly cornerbacks and wide receivers move across the field and they put that on the screen in these quick little two five second increments so I know everyone's heard by now Brock Purdy he crushed this test last year obviously it didn't move his draft stock much because he still goes with the very last pick in the draft mystery relevant but once we saw him on the field the guy balled out. So now you've got some people here, Ron, taking this thing almost as the gospel now. It's the new hot thing. The pessimist in me says there's been tests like this around for years and years, and this sounds like a glorified wonderlick test at its core. But a lot of people actually think the NFL may have found something here that could change the way we look at the scouting process. For me personally, I think it's just it's too soon. It's too early to tell, too small of a sample size to really put too much stock into this thing and alter anyone's you know draft decisions on this one test alone. There's just not a lot of info out there yet. But I'm curious what you guys think. Ron, you've played in the NFL. Does this pique your interest at all? Are you in the let's wait and see category? Or are you kind of on the fence 50-50? What you got, Brandon? Well, I just need an x-ray machine to know if a guy's got that dog in him, and then I'm good to go. Uh, No, I I like anything that is a data point. I'm sure that there are positions it matters more for or less for. You see the benchmarks on the Wonderlick for quarterbacks you probably want higher, and sometimes it doesn't always tell you that much. Frank Gore had a pretty low Wonderlick and ended up being one of the longest running, running backs of the last 20, 30 years. So... It's all got to be taken with a grain of salt in the sense that there's not that much of a sample size. But when it's what you can speak to with that Brock Purdy score is basically, yeah, there's maybe something that's being uncovered here or unlocked here that scouts or whatever weren't picking up before. So I think more data is good. I think more data is better, but we just have to take it uh, very, very carefully. Yeah, I, this is what I say. The Wonderlick test is stupid. Um, I, I understand it. <laughs> Tell us we how you took really it. feel, Rob. We took it. We joked about it the entire time. I remember Rohan Davey and Kelly Campbell joking with each other, like, yo, what's the answer to number seven? We all had different tests at the Combine. Uh, I remember Rishay uh, 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 Caldwell, sorry, receiver from Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Jabbar Gaffney, same thing. Two, two of the not smart uh, receivers I've ever uh, run into in my life. And so they joked about it. I think one of them got like a one. Literally, they answered one question and they walked out the test. Don't so, you get like three points for putting your name down? Just nope. Your it's, name? it's all test. So that's the whole old joke about the uh, Shaquille okay. O'Neal okay. uh, blue chips. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's only on like the SAT or something because uh, Shaquille got his name wrong. But when you look at this <laughs> test, honestly, the Wonder Lick for me, it, it's a basic school type test. But there's a thing. You could be the dumbest person in the world when it comes to like how many dozen footballs do you have on the field right now if I say you have 24? Well, that's two dozen because I'm quick at math. But some guys don't know what a dozen is. The thing is, I don't ever say take a dozen steps uh, and run that out route. And that's why so many people hate the Wonderlick test. Uh, the the New York Giants had a long test, and theirs is similar to this S2 test. But there's a thing, and I'll, I'll give you the nine things. Perception of speed, search efficiency, tracking capacity, visual learning, instinctive learning, decision com- complexity, distraction control, impulse control, and improvisation. 
this really is a glorified quarterbacks test. And I get it. You're, you're, you're trying to figure out what quarterbacks have what. But I guarantee if you were to give this to Tom Brady when he came out of college, I'm not sure how well he would have done on some of this stuff because he wasn't that guy yet. So I get it. It's always good. Like Brandon said, it's good to always have extra tests. But I think sometimes these scouts, these GMs, they're just trying to find more ways to unqualify some people and qualify people they really think they should drive. And then when it doesn't work, they can say, oh, man, the S2, they were great on it. I don't know what happened. Yeah, dude, you didn't watch the tape. So but we're going to move on to that. <laughs> Speaking of watching the tape. Dalvin Cook. I mean, if you watch Dalvin Cook right now, he's putting a lot of stuff out there on social media, uh, just retweets like, you know, Justin Jefferson, and Dalvin Cook being the top duo. He's retweeting that. Uh, the Vikings new offensive look. Can they run the ball more? He's he's retweeting that. But then, you know, people ask Quasey, hey, are, is Dalvin Cook going to be here in 2023? And he was not definitive in his answer, meaning most people will say like the Packers. Yes, I want Aaron Rodgers back. Please come back, Aaron, please. But he doesn't want to come back. They're not doing that to Dalvin Cook. And they said communication is constant, meaning we could trade this dude to get a second round pick or a first round pick if somebody's willing to, which they're not, but maybe a second round pick, maybe a, a two thirds. Who knows what Dalvin Cook is worth out there? Because when you have five draft picks and you have uh, Kane Wangwu and you have Alexander Madison, you're like, look, can we get through this season without a high pay running back and maybe get some more draft picks up this roster out? I don't know, but Reggie, what are your thoughts on this kind of cloak and dagger by KLC and Quasey? Man, like they had a nice long presser yesterday, and these dudes are highly skilled at saying a lot but saying nothing. <laughs> like it's just like going through all these processes. You know, we're, we we got a lot of different strategies, and there are a lot of different things that you want to see and want to do based on if this this number of things happen and it's just like well like you're just talking at me and i don't know what you're saying and i don't understand you're not like helping me really understand what your thought process is and maybe that's the goal there they did the same thing when it came to talking about dalvin talking about zadarius and talking about a possible quarterback of the future it was just very vague and it, it doesn't make you i guess when you're not definitive like they were not yesterday, it makes you think like, okay, yeah, like everything's on the table. But honestly, like they still have some moves to make to make sure the cap is mm -hmm. where it needs to be to even sign this upcoming draft class. So like we know that something has to be done, whether it's like draft night trade or or, or something like that, like something has to be done. So I think they're just not, not trying to tip their hands much on on what they plan to do, but they have some decisions to make. And it was just interesting to hear they pretty much said the same thing about Dalvin and Zadarius. I do believe that they probably would like Zadarius back. I have no idea what they feel about Dalvin because they just don't say anything about like his his long term longevity. They say, you know, he and Alexander Madison yesterday, they said he could be a complimentary back, you know, to the other. But then it was just like, but but conversations are still ongoing. Like, what are those conversations? Are you talking about how he fits in the offense? Are you talking about moving on from him? Like, it's just like you said, Ron, there's so many different things that we're getting from Dalvin himself. Does he want to stay? Does he want to go? Like, I, I'm pretty sure that number that he's getting paid, he wants to continue to get paid that. But it's just not possible with the cap situation. So it's very confusing listening to those press conferences you don't really glean a whole lot you just you try to read between the lines but then it's like you probably need a phd and reading in between the lines just to figure out what's going on yeah what you got luke yeah i think reggie's right like it's not 
possible just as we sit here today to keep this guy on the contract that he's at. So he doesn't need to say much when he's up there at the pressers. The day they signed Alexander Madison, I think put the writing on the wall because they couldn't afford both these guys with no money to play with this year. I think quasi has been working behind the scenes to get a deal done. I really do. And is very close to making something happen. He may just be waiting until draft weekend to finally pull the trigger. And I get it. Like the running back market is so watered down in the NFL. Now it's, oversaturated but I still promise you if you're a playoff ready team in the Super Bowl window and you need a running back like teams like the Chargers or the Bills or maybe even the Bengals by the way if they move on from Joe Mixon what it sounds like they could if you're one of those teams and you find out Dalvin Cook one of the top five running backs in the league can be had for a fairly cheap draft pick as a GM and a coach, you're 100% going to be in the market on that. So I think Quasey has a deal done already in writing with someone. As we get closer to the draft, we're going to see a little bit more how that all unfolds, but it's not a question of if at this point, it's a matter of when, as far as Dalvin being traded, because again, like Reggie said, they clearly, they desperately need to clear some of this cap space. And I expect it to get done by draft weekend. Yeah, what you got, Brandon? The only thing we know is that we don't know anything at all, but I think the writing is on the wall. They brought in Dwayne McBride. They had a visit with him, and they don't have a second-round pick. So, I mean, connect the dots. I think it's maybe they don't spend a second-round pick if they get one for Dalvin or a third. But the thing that we know, I think, too, is that there's going to be trades, whether it's players for picks, picks for picks, the the writing uh or the pattern is there it's not just when they had rick spielman it's also quasi quasi is going to want to wheel and deal and i think they're going to want to find a way to get a second round pick somehow or another um so it's it's going to be a whirlwind the only thing that i know is if i'm watching the first round hoping to for sure see a vikings pick that's pretty tenuous too mm-hmm. so um there's a lot of uh, balls in the air so to speak i'm excited to see how it all happens but i promise you None of us know for sure what's going to happen, and maybe even Questy doesn't either. Yeah, this is where I go with it. I think I think Reggie's right. Like, it's a lot going on. Uh, Quasey went to Princeton. I mean, come on now. Like, so we know he's going to be very smart and strategic. After their comments earlier last year, I think, when they made – they said, like, we know Kirk Cousins isn't Tom Brady – they're very careful now. They they are very careful with what they say because every time either of them grabs the mic, I know PR is over there like, oh, Lord, please don't say it. Please don't say it because they just want to say everything. Like they're new to this. And so the comment of ongoing conversations and we are solution-oriented, that just leads me to believe that they're trying to find a way away from these two. Zadarius wants to be cut, but they don't want to just let him go, I think, and I agree with Reggie on that. I think Dalvin – they're either going to try to trade him, and honestly, if they cut him after June 1, they'll save $9 million. That's going to help them get that whole draft class signed. If you think about how much each rookie makes, that will that will sign an entire draft class by cutting Dalvin Cook June 1. So honestly, from a dollar standpoint, I think it is going to become a June 1 cut if they can't find a dance partner before the draft. Um, and even post-draft, even after the draft, because everybody might draft and then say, okay, we could use a Dalvin Cook. Uh, let's let's go trade with the Vikings. And the Vikings might just want to trade him to get the money off their books. Uh, but if they don't, cutting him would get them that. So it's time to move on now because uh, this is the one. I- I'm excited about this one because I hear about pitching nonstop in Minnesota. That's all everybody talks about. They can't win without pitchers. You got outfielders pitching in some games. You got Tortoga, I think one game, or the Turtle pitching way back. I remember just seeing stupid, dumb pitches, and people are like, do away with this. Allow teams to bring in extra pitchers to get through these late innings uh, when the game's out of reach and it's just a dumb game. Uh, Doubleheaders, I know they were doing that. But the Twins, I, and I have, a, I have a thought about this and why their pitching's doing well. 
But Brandon, before we jump into this though, before we jump into what's going on with this, uh, the pitchers, remember people, we are a, par, proud, a, a proud partner with Care 11. Just visit care11.com uh, backslash locked on and you can see all of our videos, all of our shows uh, right there on Care 11. Uh, and, and, and again, you can go back and look at old videos as well. There's a video you want to see it. I don't feel an interview. You want to see a, a, a question with uh, Josh Metellus, uh, any of that kind of stuff on there as well. Mel Blunt, former Hall of Fame, or sorry, Hall of Famer, former uh, Steeler. Just go to care11.com backslash locked on to see all of our videos and all of our shows. Uh, and we have a word from our sponsor. Thanks, Ron. Just a quick reminder to stock up on Built Bar for that perfect midday snack on the go made with collagen protein so it's easily digestible and provides tons of health benefits. Each bar has just 160 calories and 15 grams of protein, packing the perfect punch of nutrition and taste. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar and grab yourself a Built Bar. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKDOWN15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKDOWN15. All right, fellas. Well, we got to talk about this pitching because the pitch clock and Twins pitching seems to be going hand in hand and working together. Brandon, what's, what's going on with the Twins pitching? Well, for one thing, they attacked the depth. You've just seen too many times in recent seasons where they've had to dip into AAA for guys who clearly weren't ready. Now, they're going to do that with Louis Varland here in Yankee Stadium, but that's more to give a guy like Kent Maeda a little extra space. He was dealing with fatigue, coming off Tommy John surgery. But the nice thing is they have that maneuverability without having to force someone who's not ready. But as I noted at the outset, six innings pitched per start is number one in MLB. That's ahead of the Rays, who are undefeated. That's ahead of the Dodgers, who have incredible pitching all the time, unlimited resources to go get more pitching. Um, second in starting pitcher ERA, second in OPS against, third in strikeouts. This is an unrecognizable starting staff from the last five, seven, ten years. And again, it's depth to me, though. Ken Tamaeda, second in Cy Young voting a couple years ago, and he's their fifth starter. They went out, they've attacked pitching depth. None of these five that are in their rotation are homegrown. They've got some guys coming up. Varland is one of them. Uh, Bailey Ober's homegrown, but he's down at St. Paul, and he pitched the night before last, so he wasn't going to come up here. They have some guys coming up, but in the meantime, they've made some trades. They've made some moves in free agency. They're in a good spot right now as far as starting pitching depth. And if any of those guys goes down, they're still in a good spot to dip into the minors. So I like the approach of going with five starters who are all pretty good as opposed to spending a ton of money at the top and then having it kind of trickle down. And the Yankees are an example of that. Garrett Cole makes a ton of money, and then they got a bunch of young guys. I would rather spread it around. That's what the Twins are doing. They may not keep a 2-3-1 ERA the rest of the way, but they're going to be good. Yeah, what you got, Luke? Yeah, I'm just curious, Brandon. I know we're still working with a small sample size, all things considering long, long season, obviously. But is there one guy of that group? I know you mentioned a lot of depth, which is outstanding. But is there one guy, starter or reliever, that maybe has just impressed you the most and maybe just been a little bit of an overachiever at this point just based off your preseason expectations? I don't know how you'd pick just one. It's kind of all of them. But yeah. Pablo Lopez, to me, is the the number the number one with a bullet if I have to pick one just because the velocity is picked up he added a sweeper and he's kind of like limited the pitches that got him into a little bit more trouble with the Marlins and so he's been just absolutely phenomenal he's given them everything you could imagine and he gave up uh, base runners to the first four against the White Sox and then retired the next twenty three I believe it was twenty three in a row 
and just absolutely amazing effort. When games like that would go sideways with the old twins, that would be a 5-2 loss, a 7-2 loss. And instead, they chipped away, they chipped away, and he stayed just dominant the rest of the way. I've been absolutely thrilled with his production. I know Luis Arise is hitting like 500 with Miami, but both teams won that trade. Yeah, what you got, Reggie? Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, can't think of a more even trade that I've seen in recent history. That's just amazing what they've done with Pablo. I remember going down to spring training uh, a few weeks ago and – talking to everybody and they were talking about just how lively the arms were already, like just mowing guys down out there uh, at BP. Like I saw a lot of swings and misses and, you know, Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, all these guys just striking out with these guys on the mound. And it's just like, wow, like this team is legit. But you look at some of this stuff, you know, you got the the Minnesota Reds, you got (laughs) Sonny Gray. He was their opening day starter a few years ago in Cincinnati and you got Tyler Malley. He was there. I believe he was their opening day starter last year uh, with the Reds. So, like, these are two guys that you have that are just kind of like one's middle of the rotation, one's right behind him. And then you had last year's opening day starter, Joe Ryan. He's third right now in the rotation. Like, that's a luxury to have all these guys top to bottom, the type of success that you have. You know, you mentioned Kenta. He's working his way back. Last start was a little shaky. So – He's he's going to be okay, but like you said, to have the depth of having Bailey Ober, who could have very well made the roster to start the year, and then also Louis Varlin coming up as well, like they have the type of depth that you would see in a team that could could make some noise this year. I think that starting pitching, Rocco talked about how they're going to anchor this team. We saw Joe Ryan go seven innings last night. They're expected to go deeper into games. And I think that's going to be something that is going to be a strength for them, especially if the bullpen runs into some struggles just like last year. If you got guys going seven, eight innings a night, mm. and each night you you basically almost have like an ace out there on the mound, like that's pretty scary. Yeah, what you got, Brandon? Yeah, how's this for a statistic? Last year, three times in 162 games, they struck out at least 10 batters. They've already done that four times this year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. crazy. I, I'm this is where I'm gonna go with it. I think it's the pitch clock. I'm gonna go pitch clock. I think when you can take out a lot of the thought and a lot of the overthinking, and it's just throw the damn ball. These guys are doing it. Like Keyshawn Johnson, you say, just throw me the damn ball. Now pitchers are able to just throw the damn ball, and I think that's the answer to this. They are just throwing the ball. They're not thinking. They're getting their signal, and they're throwing it. They're getting their sign, and they're throwing it. One, the Astros don't have time to cheat because you don't have enough time <laughs> to, to, to tip your hat and say, boom, here's what I got. Like, Think about speed poker and why so many amateurs online used to do well in speed poker. It's because you don't have time to think. You're just betting the bet, and you're just going with it. And if you get the cards, you get the cards. If you don't, you don't. But when you are able to bluff people and you got all this time and you're doing it that way, and even when you're face-to-face speed poker, that's what I, that's what I equate to this pitcher right now. I think, one, they are good. But, two, you're taking a lot of that thought process out of it. They don't have time to overthink every pitch. It's just get out there and throw the ball, man. You're good. You're a pro. You've done this before. Well, we got to jump in this and talk about tonight's game. This is the main event where everybody wanted to see what was going to happen. And when you think about – the Timberwolves and what they've been through and how, I mean, honestly, I don't know if you wanted the Grizzlies. I think the Lakers Grizzlies, I rather say, I think the Lakers can beat the Grizzlies the way they're made up and the way Anthony Davis has been playing. And now it's time for the Timberwolves to go in this playing game. And and here's where I go with this quick. The Timberwolves, this is going to be a make or break game. One, 
how is Rudy Gobert going to, is he going to play and how is he going to play? If he does play, what does that relationship look like? Now, in my opinion, that punch was a little brother, big brother punch. Like it wasn't a Draymond Green or Jordan Poole, I don't respect you punch. It was a punch in the chest, running high behind mama. That's what that was to me. That was not like I'm going to knock you out because he had a clear shot at the face and he hit him in the arm. So to me, that's just a big brother punching a little brother. And the team said, look, you, you, you can't do this. One on national TV did this in practice. Maybe we get away with it. National TV. You can't do this. But the Timberwolves biggest issue is Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards has to shine. Now, if that shoulder's hurting, we saw him fall on it. And he was cold before that anyway. He has to understand. And this is where Michael Jordan was one of the best at this. When it wasn't his night, when he wasn't feeling it, when it wasn't, wasn't often, but when he wasn't feeling it, Scottie Pippen would take over. He has to trust Mike Conley and Carl Anthony Towns to get it going. Because if he doesn't have it, him shooting nine threes and missing is a waste of a time down the court. If you know you don't have it, and guys know this, just like pitchers know, if their curve isn't working, they're not going back to the curve. I just think for the Timberwolves game tonight, the biggest thing for me to watch is Anthony Edwards. If he's slashing and dishing and going early and dunking on people and being aggressive, they're going to win this game. If he's if he's shooting like awkward three-pointers and not making them all night, it's it. We're going into the offseason. Everybody's talking about, man, we need to trade Rudy Gobert or trade Carly Towns or, or figure this out. Or Because, again, I know they haven't played together for long, but I just don't feel like it works. You're the eighth seed, and you're basically in the same spot you were last year with the blockbuster trade, and you lost all your picks. That was a dumb move, in my opinion. I don't know. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, on one hand, I think the thing that everyone still keeps in the back of their mind, that despite all the ups and downs, the roller coasters of emotions, is that they've got the talent. This is a talented team that forces you to have at least some optimism and be a little excited. This is not one of those old-school Wolves teams where year after year after year they draft all the wrong guys, even with all these top five, top three picks, and they end up with one stud like a KG for all those years and just nobody else around them. This ain't those Wolves. Like, the talent is there. But then on the other side of the coin, obviously, the identity for this team, for whatever reason, is just almost non-existent because they're just so inconsistent game after game. You never know what you're going to get from them. They lead the NBA with 11 blown fourth quarter double digit leads this year, which is insane. So you never know what you're going to get. It's madly frustrating. But having said that, and just knowing the type of team this is by now, watching them all year do this, I think they find a way to win tonight. I really I do. So. Not for any specific reason other than this is just what this T-Wolves team does. And I think between having you know their backs against the wall tonight, coming off the brutal loss, and also having this home crowd behind them. A home crowd, by the way, just real quick, for the most part, this home crowd's been outstanding. Even going back to that last home game versus the Lakers that was on ESPN, Target Center's been rocking lately. But between the home crowd, the talent up and down the roster that I just think is just flat out better than OKC's, I think it's going to be enough to get them over the hump, sneak them in the playoffs, and then the roller coaster ride can at least last, you know, a couple more games at least. So that's Brandon. my prediction. I'm curious what Reggie thinks. Yeah, Brandon, what you got? Well, I need 10, 10, and a couple blocks from Rudy tonight. He's got to play. I mean, you know, it's it's the price paid to get him and everything, even if he's on the court as a decoy or whatever. Uh, he's a decoy help. anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, no. it doesn't help that he's dinged up. It doesn't help that Ant is dinged up. But I agree with you on the big brother, little brother thing. You can do these kinds of things with your buddies and be fine with them an hour later. I know he texted the group, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, too, it would have been maybe nice to win that first play-in game and get Memphis, which is very obviously a compromised basketball team with all the injuries. But this Wolves team has responded better against 
tougher teams. You know, they lose to the Knicks. They use, they they lost a few games. Uh, Detroit Pistons. They lost games that they had no business losing this season. I think they show up tonight. And if they can shut down SGA and they can glue somebody to the court like we got last year, I think they got a real chance. But again, this is going to look like a very, very big disappointment if they don't make it. The only reason I liked the Gobert trade is if you are good enough in those years, you can give up picks in the 20s out of the lottery. Uh, those guys are kind of wild cards. You might get a Luca and you might get a an Enduti EB or however you see it, but say it back in the day, the draft pick that the Wolves completely botched. So I need to see Gobert tonight. I need to see at least one of Cat, Ant, Conley. One of those guys come up big. We're not going to get Patrick Beverly jumping on the scorer's table, but I still see a W. Yeah, what you got, Reggie? Yeah, this this whole thing is interesting. Uh, I go back to uh, Christopher Hines from The Strip. He tweeted, <laughs> Friday night, one team has his entire future in front of it. The other can't afford to waste a year without getting in the playoffs because of all it gave up and the age of his starters. No pressure. And it was just like, well, when you put it like that, yeah, that that's it. You know, you got the Thunder. Chet Holmgren's been out all year with the the broken foot that he got trying to, you know, block LeBron. And it's it's crazy because they are a team that's ascending. You know, Sam Presti does it again. The Wolves, Tim Connolly, that that trade was so knee jerk. I was talking to John Krasinski about it yesterday. We were over at the uh, Mayo Clinic Square talking to the Timberwolves, and he was just he was just saying like this trade is is gonna go down as just something that will haunt probably Tim Conley for the rest of his career because it was kind of like a knee-jerk reaction, in my opinion, to you know, they couldn't grab a lot of boards against Memphis. They felt like they needed to do something to help that. And Rudy hasn't been the guy that, you know, they brought him over three-time defensive player of the year, all that. He hasn't been that guy this year. And it's funny you brought up, Ron, he's been a decoy a lot. Like, he may be a game-time decision tonight. Last night we were like, hey, if the game was tonight, would you play? He was like, I would try. He's like, I, I can't really move how I like to move out there. So you say 10 and 10, Brandon, like that would probably be a, a, a blessing for the Timberwolves if he does play, if he's able to go out and get that because he's so limited with that back injury that – he has. So it's it's a very interesting space for the Wolves to be in because it's only delaying the inevitable. If they win tonight, it's only delaying the inevitable. They're going to have some decisions to make in the offseason about what to do, because like you said, Ron, they were in this position last year. You make that big trade, give up all those picks, give up all that depth on the bench, seeing them shine with the Lakers. And now all of a sudden these are these guys are in the same position as they were last year. and You're supposed to be better. Meanwhile, Walker Kessler got that one vote keeping Paolo Boncaro from uh, getting unanimous rookie of the year. So that that's interesting. Walker Kessler, they could have kept him. They didn't. He's been shining in Utah. They could have kept their picks. Yeah, I mean, with the Timberwolves, like I said, I think everybody's right on this one. Uh, Rudy Gobert has to play. Uh, it's like Zion Williamson. He could have played, and he didn't play, and their season's over. I feel like it's going to be the same. If Rudy Gobert doesn't play, I don't know. And, and again, the, the Thunder are not what the uh, Lakers are. And so when you watch the Thunder play, uh, I feel like the Pelicans lost that game versus the Thunder winning that game. Even though, uh, what is it, Shea Alexander-Gilchrist or Gilchrist-Alexander, uh, he's legit. Like, he can't shoot threes. 
but the kid can score. And that's where I think Anthony Edwards needs to watch his game even to say, this dude had 32 and only shot a couple threes. Like, Don't forget about Lou Dort. <laughs> and he just gets to the basket. So this is a young team that you, and you're right, Reggie, when, when Chet Holmgren comes back, this team could be pretty good because now they have a legit big man scorer who can shoot from the outside. So the Thunder could be a team that's looking at the six seed next year with no problem, and they're going to get some more draft picks. So, but you know, we'll see. The Jazz might end up drafting twenty-seven people in the next four years and just kill everybody. Uh, let's move on. We got some quick ones, fellas. We got about four to five minutes left. This is going to be the fast-paced game. Thirty seconds per answer. We're going to get these out here. Let's jump out here with this one now first. Uh, Odell Beckham signs with the Ravens. Odell Beckham is now a Baltimore Raven. Uh, everybody's claiming now p- puzzle pieces are about to start falling because, of course, they know Odell could have went to the Jets, which might have helped entice Aaron Rodgers over. Uh, he is now he could have went to the Packers to entice Aaron Rodgers to stay. Could have went to the Patriots. He is now a Raven, which means Lamar Jackson staying put. So now, what does this mean for the rest of the league? And also. Does this show faith to Lamar for the Ravens that, hey, look, we're, we want to get you a deal, man. We just we just got to figure out how to make it work. I'm going to start with you, Luke. Yeah, I think two months ago it was, I said, Lamar Jackson, never going to play another down for the Baltimore Ravens. After this signing, I don't think he gets the long-term monster deal that I think he was hoping for and the rest of his team was hoping for, but... I think he is going to play with the Ravens this year, maybe one more year in 2024 on that exclusive franchise tag. They're going to roll it out with OBJ and see if they can maybe go on a little mini Super Bowl run here with OBJ. But I don't think they're going to have the money at this point now to give him that long-term extension. What you got, Reggie? Yeah, I mean, he said yesterday it wasn't necessarily an indicator that Lamar is going to come back. But, I mean, look, God bless Snoop. He made the Pro Bowl. But he's not trying to catch passes from Snoop Huntley. Like, he's trying to catch passes from Lamar Jackson. And I have just been on record saying, like, I didn't think Lamar was going anywhere. There's nobody that is willing to pay what he's looking to pay. Either he goes back or he just doesn't play. But I think he wants to play. And now that they got him a new shiny weapon, I think he comes back and he plays this year. And then they see what happens from there. What you got, Brandon? I think the money was just too good. I'm not convinced Lamar's coming back. And I think if if I was to expect a team to swoop in, I still think Detroit could do something. Um, If that's the case, I don't think they'd roll with Snoop either. I think they'd draft somebody. Um, But with that said, I still think the best fit for Lamar Jackson is there. You've got a dynamic duo with Odell and Rashad Bateman. You've got Mark Andrews catching passes. That could be a very good offense. But at the same time, I am a little less convinced than the rest of you that Lamar's coming back. I still think that that contract, you look how much they've committed to OBJ, a guy who's been devastated by ACL issues. I think the money was just too good to pass up. I think when you look at the Ravens, a lot of people have come out and said, we don't want Lamar, the Lions being one of them. So I don't know if he would even go there at this point, the way Dan Campbell acted towards him. Uh, There's a lot of teams, and maybe this is some backdoor, uh, because we know owners now have burner phones. That's been told. Arizona Cardinals are on record. We had burner phones talking to our GM when we weren't supposed to. He was supposed to be suspended because of illegal activities, and or DUI, I think is what he got or something. And we were still talking to him, though. We had burner phones. Our owners said, hey, here's burner phones go talk to them so we know the owners can't communicate to each other there is collusion in the nfl uh just at what level speaking of collusion we're going to move on to the washington commanders they are now going to be purchased for six billion (laughs) dollars i feel like uh what was that uh uh what was the dude 
the 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 Goldfinger guy, the oh, movie. Doctor Evil. Doctor Evil. Yeah, yeah. I felt like dollars. still one trillion dollars, like six <laughs> billion dollars. And when you think about that deal, uh, the uh, the the coach uh, McDaniel's went on record saying, "I had to pay for my own coffee." So when you look at now, the fact that they got an F minus, which I don't even know how you get an F minus. That's not a real grade. So that's even worse than a real grade. And now they are selling their team for $6 billion. Magic Johnson being a part of this owners group, which for me, that's huge. An African-American being a part of an NFL ownership and having real stake in it also was with the Los Angeles or is with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And they won a pennant. So. Do you think this helps the uh, Washington Commanders now start to land free agents? When you look at Doug Williams being more in the facility now, Deron Payne just showed up. Doug Williams was there to greet him. You got Magic Johnson going to be in the building. Does this bring hope back to that D.C. area now? I'm going to start with you on that, Brandon. I don't think it could have gotten any worse. And at that point, too, I think Daniel Snyder was the one holding back that organization. He was the the um, the, the impedance to them being – even better than they were. Um, you know, they've had, they've gone through a lot of turmoil, the RG three era, Kirk cousins getting paid on the franchise tag over and over again, all those big name free agents they signed from Albert Hainsworth on, um, you know, to me, it's just, uh, it can't get any worse. And there's going to be new competition for the worst ownership group in the NFL, but it's certainly going to be good for not only Washington, but I think the NFL at large to get Daniel Snyder out of the game. I know before I move it to Luke, I'm looking forward to because uh, Santana Moss literally just texted me because uh, I know we were talking about getting him on the mm. show. And so Santana Moss is going to join me. He's a he is a commander. He does do all their stuff. He's one of their legends. Uh, so I'm interested to see what he thinks about this six billion dollars in this ownership group. I kind of talked to him already, so I kind of know. So I'm not going to tease on his thoughts on this. Uh, but I know there are some stories because he and I were teammates for a short bit and uh, there was a helicopter involved. There was the owner, Daniel Snyder, pulling up to practice on our practice field with a helicopter. I'm not going to tell the rest of that story. We'll have Santana Moss tell it because it is the funniest. I've never seen. I've been a part of three different teams. Never seen an owner pull up on practice with a helicopter and just take over practice. But that's a different story. Luke, what are your thoughts on this $6 billion deal? Yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet. I mean, like Brandon said, they were at rock bottom for nearly three decades, if not longer, it feels like. They've been the dumpster fire of the league. No one wants to play there. The fans are sick of it. But now there's a breath of fresh air coming in, a chance to – finally hit the reset button. I think if the fans can just stay a little bit more patient because it takes a few years to build a roster up from ground zero, I think they have a chance to be competitive again sometime in the near future. Reggie, what you got? Look, man, I am just thrilled for Magic Johnson. This dude has got in on the Dodgers. He's got the uh, Los Angeles Sparks. He's got LAFC. And now he's in on the, the commanders as well. And what is cool about this ownership group, Josh Harris owns the 76ers. Mm -hmm. He has been known to go for it. You know, you had the whole like trust the process era, but then like he brings in Doc Rivers, brings mm -hmm. in Daryl Morey, trades for James Harden. Like he's not afraid to go after it and do it what he has to do to get his team competitive. And so if he brings that same thing over to uh, Washington, you may see a, a very successful product on the field, or, or at least, you know, something higher than an F on the, the <laughs> players association <laughs> ratings. Like, but one thing about Daniel Snyder, I bring, he bought the Washington football team for $800 million. He gets out like a fat cat. Yep. Six billion dollar sale without really doing a whole lot to improve. Like I've been to that stadium. The stadium's kind of a dump. Like the the facilities, uh, guys have complained about as we mentioned the F. And so 
this dude made out like a man on the moon just with the deal that he got. And it's kind of sad, but Mina Kimes ripped him apart for just being one of the worst franchise owners in his tenure. But somehow he still kind of wins here. Yeah, and, and that's what I'll say. For the owners that came in, because he is the majority, there's some minority owners that own, I think, what, 41% or something like that. I forgot what their ownership group is. But if you're one of the owners, because I know there's one guy in there that had $200 million into it. I think he was like 20% stake. $200 million. He is now walking away with $1.2 billion. He went from $200 million to he's going to get a check when they cut that check for $1.2 billion dollars so i am excited for Matt johnson as well because it is the thing though man i get six million and we'll talk about this next week so make sure you guys come back because I, I gotta talk about this is where where are we going with this because i don't i don't see a team being worth 10 billion dollars like where are we gonna go like what's the ceiling for nfl owners in these teams i know inflation goes up houses go up but six billion like are we gonna have a 10 billion dollar team like where are we going like I just, and that's there's gotta be a ceiling Right to your point, the Milwaukee Bucks just sold a stake, a stake, not even the whole thing. They sold a stake of their team for $3.5 billion to the Haslams. <laughs> like, how much is it worth overall if just a stake? They're saying $3. seven, eight billion, billion now. I'm guessing That's they're saying crazy. seven, eight billion. I mean, when you got the Greek freak, you got billions. Uh, one quick one is going to be really quick before we get out of here, man. We're going to do this every week now because I'm just going to give you three choices. Trade up, trade down, or stay where you are. We're talking about the Minnesota Vikings in this NFL draft, 27th, 28th, 29th. But that first round pick, because where there's a big draft party at US Bank Stadium, uh, we're going to be doing down there doing Vikings Game Day Live. I'm going to be, we're going to be doing a draft pick central. And if there's not a draft pick, we're just going to say, hey, thanks for joining us today and uh, see you tomorrow. But what do you guys think, really quick? Trade up, trade down, or stay where they are. I'm going to go with you, Luke. Trade up, go get your guys, target a quarterback. Start planning for life after Kirk Cousins, who's 35 and a free agent next year. I like Hendon Hooker and Will Levis. Realistically, just knowing how the board should fall, but that's why the draft's fun. You never know what you're going to get, and every year something wild happens. Go get your guys. Trade up. What you got, Reggie? Uh, just knowing what we saw last year, just upset that I was ready to go on air, talk about their 12th pick, and they trade back to 32nd, and they're literally picking as I'm going live on the air. I might still be upset about that. But just just seeing what I've seen, especially knowing that they don't have that second round pick, like I can see him trading back more than anything. What you got, Brandon? I think you try to get Hendon, but you try to trade back and find a two. Uh, Hendon is the perfect option to redshirt under a final season of Kirk Cousins coming off the ACL. I know you need corner or defensive help, defensive help across the board. You could look to a second wideout under J.J., but at the end of the day, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. And so I'm looking for a quarterback. I'd like to get one of the big guys. I don't know if I consider Hendon quite there yet. Um, I like Anthony Richardson. But with that said, we'll see who falls. There's always going to be a prospect that we see fall. And I'm with Luke, GGYG. Go get your guys. He's been preaching that for years. And um, you may not have to go anywhere, though. Mm -hmm. But I do think they trade back. I'm, I'm leaning trade back and finding either another second or, or a second pick or another third. 
Yeah, I, I'm a fan of trading back as well. I know everybody's going to hate it. It's probably going to happen. I'm pretty sure they're going to trade back. But you look at Hendon Hooker, 58th ranked prospect right now. He's not jumping up higher on anybody's draft boards. There are some rumors out there, but I think people are just creating these rumors to create trade opportunities for teams that want them like the Minnesota Vikings. But Minnesota doesn't have any trade capital, so it's a dumb rumor. Uh, but when you look at the other guys, cornerbacks specifically, there's a lot of late cornerbacks as well that you don't need. Now, unless Joy Porter Jr. is going to fall to you which i don't think he is anymore because you see a lot of teams now reaching out saying maybe the lions should replace uh they just traded jeff okuda to the falcons so uh maybe they should trade to get uh and sorry not trade sorry they traded him so then maybe they should draft joy porter jr to replace him at 6-3 so joy porter jr stock is rising so i don't know if he'll be there anymore at 23 so if he's not dre back Go get you a corner in the second round or get Hinton Hooker in the second round and get a corner in the third round because you already have Byron Murphy, who is positionless. He can go in the slot. He can play outside. He can play left, right. He can travel with the receiver. And so I think they have their guy there. You just got to find another guy. Again, Caleb Evans is going to come back healthy. We know he's good mentally. He has to get it together, but he's healthy and he's good. Uh, so and you have Harrison Smith back there. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, I think it is a trade back, but we'll see. Because we don't know what Quasey's going to do because this dude is an analytics guy who doesn't believe in analytics. So, you know, I don't know what that even means. He's an analytics guy, but he says, I don't follow the analytics. I, I really don't know what that means. And I agree with Reggie. We do need a PhD just to understand what he's saying sometimes. Uh, but I'm Ron Johnson. That's Luke Inman. That's Brandon Warren from uh, Twins, uh, Locked on Twins. Sorry, the baby threw me off. Uh, it's a great baby, though. Hey, great baby. <laughs> In my Kevin Hart voice, it's a great baby. <laughs> The great baby pooped on the flow. <laughs> it's a great baby, though. <laughs> that's Brandon Warren from Locked On Twins. And that's little bra baby Brandon from Locked On Babies. If you want any uh, baby talk, just go to Locked On Babies with uh, little Brandon Warren. Uh, and that's Reggie Wilson from Care 11. Uh, I want to thank you guys for joining us. Thank all the everydayers, the people that continue to watch, talk to us, tweet, download. Every time I run into people and they make a comment about we said something on the podcast, I really appreciate you guys. Seriously, uh, I am not afraid to talk to you about that. So continue to do that. It's it's awesome to hear when you say, I can't believe Sam said that or I can't believe Reggie really believes that. I love when you guys do that. So continue to stop me in public. I am fine with that. I'm Ron Johnson. Though. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota, and I hope you guys have a great weekend. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.